Hi, everyone. I'm Tara Lon, and welcome to the show. I'm very happy to share some parenting insight with you today with my special guest, Katagina Shaloub. Now, we've already bonded, so she said I can call her Kat. <laughs> Kat is an author, artist, professor, plus a certified coach with a bachelor's, master's, and PhD in various concentrations of engineering and science. Today, we're going to be talking about children and lying and identify why kids lie and try to coach them down a different path. So without further ado, Kat, thanks so much for joining the show. It's lovely to have you. It's lovely to be on the show with you. So can you just give us a little background just about your intended career path with your degrees and reveal why and when you decided to take a career shift? Sure, sure. I, I was born and raised in Lebanon um, and we we went through the civil war. So in third world countries, I don't know how it is in others, but in, in very many of the Middle Eastern countries, engineering, medicine, and law are tickets to get out. So uh, I thought engineering would be a great way to leave Lebanon and uh, assure myself a financially secure future. And I also wanted to be like my brothers and gain the respect of my dad. They were all very good at engineering. And then after after two big brothers, I was this girl who was like girly. <laughs> so I, I really wanted to gain their respect. And I thought engineering would be a great way to do it. Um, but I later, once I had kids, I realized that I was very passionate about human behavior and about parenting and personal development in a way that um, engineering wasn't fulfilling that sense of purpose that I needed in my work, it just felt very dry and empty and unfulfilling. What did your family think about your career shift? I think they struggled with it just as much as I did. Um, They struggled with me leaving this accomplishment and, you know, shifting into calling myself a writer and a coach. It felt, it felt less important and less uh, impressive than engineering. And at first I struggled with it a lot as well because I wanted to prove myself. I would say, well, now I'm a writer, but but I used to be an engineer, you know? But you realize you don't have to prove yourself. I, I feel like a lot of people, they may major in something in college or have a have several careers actually throughout their lives, you know, as they're discovering and evolving as a person. Um, I I feel like that happens a lot. Like all the things that you've done in the past actually helps you for whatever future you have. Oh, yeah, definitely. I I think the struggle is is knowing who you are and what you want versus how people see you. And and I I loved the open mouth exclamation when I said I was an engineer or a scientist and working on underwater robots. People would be like, wow, that's so cool. And if I said I was a coach or a writer, they'd be like, oh, anything I've read? (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. And so just to kind of put things in a little perspective, can you just um, share with the audience what degrees you did get just so they're, they kind of see a little bit more of your background as far as, you know, what you're pursuing in engineering and science? Yeah, I got a bachelor's in electrical engineering. And then I went to MIT and I did a master's degree in ocean engineering. So that was very much working with um, Navy guys. Uh, And then I did a PhD in environmental science, and that involved a lot of work with underwater robotics and going on ships with uh, scientists and researchers, mostly men. So it was very a place where I I could prove myself to the whole world. So I'm sure, though, your background is helpful in your current career path. I mean, it seems like there's um, I mean, you're you're using like two sides of your brain. Um, So it, it seems like 
all that together can help, like as far as with children? I know you have three children, you know, children and coaching and um, just putting it all together. I mean, do you find that, that it's helpful having the background so, that you have? Yes, so very much. I, I, the engineering training and the scientific training makes you very analytical. It makes you very focused, very sequential. You have to kind of understand the beginning and the end and what are you trying to get to and is this logical and rational? So in my coaching, I'm kind of listening for these patterns. I'm kind of listening for what makes sense and what doesn't hang right. Uh, so there's there's very much of this critical and analytical thinking that comes into the coaching. And then I can bring back the rest of myself into the coaching, which is the intuition and the uh, listening and the heart sent the heart side of things. It definitely gave me much more balance than I would have if I had just kind of stayed being all, all myself from the very beginning. <laughs> right. So today we're talking about children and lying. So, Kat, what is your opinion about coaching kids on emotional intelligence? I mean, I, I do a lot of uh, coaching on emotional intelligence. I actually am a certified facilitator in uh, emotional intelligence psychometric tools. So uh, the reason I use tools is, again, because of my engineering training. A lot of people have this uh, sense of, well, how accurate are you evaluating me? So when you use emotional intelligence tools, people can kind of see for themselves where they stand on these scores because they get scored. Um, so I work a lot with parents and adults on uh, helping them uh, name their emotions, helping them manage their emotions, helping them channel their emotions, and then helping them empathize with others, whether it's their kids or their spouses or their you know, coworkers, their peers. I'm, I'm really surprised by uh, how many people find it extremely difficult just to name the emotion that they're feeling in the moment. Is this something that you practice with your children as well? Very much, very much. Um, my son has, uh, my, my girls are very articulate, but my son struggles with it more. He feels something, but he has a very hard time finding the right words for it. So I have to help him uh, naming the emotion. Like, are you frustrated? Are you angry? Are you sad? You know, are you excited? We, we work together on trying to find what he's feeling and put words to it. Okay. And how old are your children? So I have a, my little one is five in October. My son is seven and a half. And then my eldest, the little one is a girl. And my eldest is also a girl. She's nine in September, nine going on like 15. <laughs> oh, right. Yes. She, is she going to middle school or not yet? She's got another year, right? Before middle yeah. school. All right. Yeah. <laughs> what are some fun things that you like to do with them? We, each one of them has their thing. Uh, my eldest daughter loves to paint and make art. So we write stories together. We paint and then we come up with stories of what she's painted. My son is more into building. So we build like outdoor stuff, houses, and we construct things with Legos. And the little one is still trying to find what she loves. She went through a building phase. Now she's going through a drawing phase. <laughs> Well, you, you have experience in both um, the artistic side and the building side. So uh, I think you're the perfect mother for them. <laughs> oh, my God. I was just thinking about that the other day that like how lucky I am to have actually been through the engineering side because I tell my son, you know, mommy used to be an engineer and he's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, and you're an artist as well. Do you draw or what, what's your artistic I background? 
I paint. I paint. I, I actually just discovered that when I started coaching, I felt this overwhelming desire to draw and paint. Actually, it started with pregnancy. I, when I was pregnant with my eldest, there was this sudden overwhelming desire to be creative. And I hear that happens a lot with uh, pregnant women. Mm, yeah, I, I think I've heard that too. But I, I feel like even when I was pregnant, um, like the artistic side, like the crafts and everything, I never really had that personally. <laughs> but I, I've heard that a lot that when you're pregnant, you know, that tends to come out. Um, so again, we're t- today we're talking about children and lying. And that's frankly something that we're all guilty of. Um, but let's just go with the basic question of why do you think that kids lie? Well, I think they, they start lying because it's cool. It's like creative. They get a chance to, to tell stories. And I also think the, the bigger drivers are that they don't want to get in trouble. So it's easy to lie. Yeah. And uh, they want to make us happy. Like they somehow figure out that if, if, if I tell mom I made a mess, she's going to be angry. And if I tell her mom it wasn't me, then she'll be happy. <laughs> And and do you think parents should um, call out their kids if if they lie, like every time they they notice a lie? Definitely, definitely. I think when we don't call them out, they notice it. They know, and if we don't call them out, they interpret that uh, that blind eye that we turn to the lie as as uh, an acceptance of the lie. They interpret it that it's okay to lie. And I know that some kids lie more than others, and it could just be about the most basic thing that they don't even need to lie about. Like, why do you think some kids go that route with their lying? It might be experimentation. It might be that they, they're going through some other difficult things. I mean, I know that kids lie sometimes when they're trying to prove themselves or if they're in a stressful situation, they lie to make themselves be, feel better. It's a, like a self-soothing mechanism. And do you think in general, um, kids grow out of that phase of lying to people, their parents, their peers? Uh, I think it depends on what kind of uh, model we set for them. A lot of times we give them very mixed messages. So I've been guilty of this sometimes with my kids as well. They'll say something tastes disgusting and we're at somebody's house and I'll be like, be polite. We don't say that, you know, and then I'm telling them at home to be honest. So now they're like, well, should I be honest or should I not be honest? Right, right, you, yeah. You know, or or they'll hear me make a white lie over the phone, like, oh, my husband's not here, and meanwhile he'll be sleeping or something. And they they make their own interpretations of these things that they see, and they interpret that we're lying, when for us it's kind of a, the intention behind the lies invisible to them. Yeah, it, it's good to model that honesty with them, too. Yeah, as much as we can. And I think also to call them out on the the little white lies. Like, don't lie. Tell mommy the truth. And I won't be mad at you. I think they're very scared that we will be mad or we'll punish them. And once we make it clear that the truth will make us happier than anything else, uh, that kind of makes them feel better. I've been experimenting with this with my kids as well. If I tell them, I promise you won't be punished and I promise I won't be mad but tell me who squeezed toothpaste all over the floor, (laughs) you know, then they'll be like, okay, I did it. I was just wanted to see how the blue would look on the white. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, you're making an experiment. Let's not do that next time. Clean it up. (laughs) I feel like sometimes you may sense your child is lying about something, but you don't know 100%. And they're so convincing, like, mom, no, I didn't lie. I didn't do it. So, I mean, how do you address that when you suspect, let's say 90 to 95% that they're lying, but 
there could be a little 1% truth to it and they're not necessarily revealing that to you. You're just like interrogating them. Like, well, do you have any advice for parents in situations like that? Yeah, I think you said the key word is I think they, they will lie or they leave that space when we when they feel interrogated. I, I think it's really important that if we're angry, we give ourselves some space to calm down and, and keep it more as a conversation rather than an interrogation. Um, and when we talk to kids, it's important that we kind of start on the same page as them. So listen, you know, I know that this is kind of a scary thing or you might be afraid that I'm going to punish you. I'm really upset that somebody broke the glass, but I promise I won't punish you. It's more important for me to know who broke the glass rather than uh, why it's, you know, it's more important for me to know why the glass is broken rather than who broke it or whatever. I think it's important that we take that conversation rather than, did you do it? I know you're lying. Like they, if they feel they might get in trouble, then they will lie and they'll do it very convincingly. And I think that goes back to the emotional intelligence piece where you recognize whatever emotion they may, may be going through at the time, whether it's fear because they think they're going to get in trouble or whatever it may be. And then empathizing somehow with them in that situation. Uh, I felt like you kind of called out the emotion and then you're 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 putting yourself kind of in their shoes saying okay you won't get in trouble like you change your tone you're being empathetic and maybe they'll be more open to being honest with you if you take that approach yeah i i what i found in my coaching is one of the so what i've I, what i've taken is a a coaching program for parents it's called parentology and it takes very many coaching approaches to talk to kids. And one of the, the biggest learning for me was get on the same page as them emotionally, like try to understand or show them that you understand their emotions. You know, so you would start with something like, oh, I can see that you're, you're scared or I can see that you're nervous about this conversation. Don't worry. Like, you know, those kinds of things where you attenuate and you create the space for them to actually have a safe comfortable and, and honest conversation with you. And then do you have any tips for parents just in general for raising honest children? Yeah, I would say um, definitely call out the lies and try to avoid white lies. If you do lie in front of them, even if it's a white lie, explain the intention behind it. You know, I said I like this cake because I didn't want to hurt auntie's feelings. She's been cooking it for two hours or whatever, you know, like I think it's important to treat kids like people who can understand things if they're explained right. Um, and then if we do notice that they're lying, I think it's, it's important for us as parents to zoom out and look at the bigger picture, like the environment around them, because lies are driven a lot by, by social anxiety as well. Are they being bullied at school? Is something stressful happening? Is there a lot of changes in their environment? And then ask ourselves as parents and as, as caretakers, how can we relieve some of this stress for them? How can we give them what they need? Sometimes it's, you know, what I found with my kids is if I don't give them enough alone time, one-on-one -on -one with, with me, or if they don't get enough alone time with their dad, they start acting up, they lie more, or they, you know, fight with each other more. And it's this... I think using our intuition as parents, we don't get that advice enough. We're parents. We should be able to just tune in and listen to our heart about what our kids need. And if we slow down a little bit and think, you know, where's my kid? What does he need from me right now? It often helps, even with flying and even with bad behavior, you know. 
So what if, what if um, the lying, let's say they lie quite frequently, what if it's never addressed as a child? Like, how could that play out into adulthood? Do you have any theories behind that? I do. I think, well, I think they could potentially uh, become liars. Uh, it's, it's a 50-50, but what I think they, they will have as a personal rule for themselves is that if it's going to uh, make somebody angry or if it's going to make somebody sad, then it's better I lie. Or if uh, I'm going to get in trouble, then it's better I lie. It becomes ingrained as one of their values as adults. And it becomes much harder to change. You know, some people don't realize how often they lie as adults. That's kind of the collateral of, of us just letting these things go. Yeah. So when you do, let's say you're an adult. I mean, because I've, I've probably come across uh, two adults who I feel like are, quote unquote, habitual liars, where, where they'll just lie about nonsensical things. Do you know what I mean? Like things they don't yeah. even have to lie about. And you're yeah. thinking to yourself, why would they lie about that? That's... <laughs> Like, that's so not a reason to lie. But um, do you think that started from childhood and maybe not being corrected um, when they were young and they just kind of grew, 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 grew into this adult and they just kind of carried that with them? Like, what do you what do you think about that? Like adults with it when they have this lying issue? Potentially. I mean, it's it's very easy for if it starts out in childhood, it's very easy for it to continue in childhood if you haven't been called out. And the other option is, is, you know, people do learn how to manipulate or control others. It might be some sort of personality disorder. You know, lying um, is usually uh, the, the tip of the iceberg for other issues when it's, when it's in adults, you know. Um, personality issues, uh, depression, rage, uh, those kinds of things that, that should probably be addressed with a therapist at some point. <laughs> so there's probably some parents listening now and they're thinking, you know, I've got some real issues with my kid who's lying constantly. Um, like, what are some things that you would say maybe is a red flag as far as they're lying and when maybe they should seek professional help, you know, for their child in the lying situation? Yeah, I would say if there's no no like obvious or clear reason for them to be lying, like if they already know there's no consequences and uh, they're still lying, that's that's a bit of a red flag. Uh, if there are any other uh, personality issues, like a lot of anger or a very low empathy, uh, major mood swings, uh, things like that, that's a red flag as well. Um, if they're lying more than their friends or siblings do, or if they lie even when they know it hurts other people's feelings. I think those are things where we should at least discuss with a professional and see how we could either work with our child or how we could get them some help to, to overcome that. Now, is there a magic age where you think, like, if this line continues, that should be addressed? Like, is there a number that you think can think of? When they're still under, under the teen years, I think it's the work that we're doing and then, and then in the teen years, it becomes more maintenance. And I think it's important then to kind of keep our eyes out for, for more lies, because that's where they can start lying about alcohol and about drugs and about going out. And that's where you want the lying to have already stopped. You know, you want to have, have a trusting relationship with your kid by then. Uh, and then speaking of having a trusting relationship, I, I read a blog post where you said your goal was not to have a happy child, but a fulfilled <laughs> child. <laughs> Now, what do you what do you mean by that? Because I know a oh. lot of parents say, "Oh, I just want my kids to be happy, and I'll be happy." You know. So. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that a lot. So this post I wrote when my son 
and I, th I think he was five at the time. And I asked him to do something he didn't want to do or he didn't like. And he said, well, mom, don't you want me to just be happy? And I, and I realized that somehow I had transmitted this idea to him that my job as a parent was to make him happy. Hmm. And I was almost out, outraged with myself because I, I, I had to clarify this. So, that, so I wrote the post to clarify it for myself. But I think if, our kid, if we're trying to make our kids happy all the time, we prevent them from going through hardship. We prevent them from going through uh, moments of frustration. And, and that's really bad for them because we don't teach them how to develop grit. We don't teach them how to be persistent and resilient and to overcome failure. And if we don't, they will be uh, much flimsier adults uh, moving forward because they will have to deal with hardship 30 or at 25 rather than at five and they right. won't have developed these self-control mechanisms to get over them so yeah no I don't want to raise happy kids I want to raise like good strong tough-minded loving kind hard-working kids you know right um so if a child does say that mom don't you want me to be happy like what do you think the response should be <laughs> oh I tell them I tell them no my job is to keep you healthy and safe your job is to make yourself happy. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then you have a new book coming out, I believe, Future Proof. Yes. Yes. When is that coming out? Uh, any day now. Um, and I'm very excited about this book because it's targeted at youth, uh, high schoolers and university age students. And it's very much about self-leadership. Like, how do you lead yourself into the future so that you can actually navigate the minefield of, of what our future is becoming, you know? Uh, and you said that's for teenagers and college-aged kids? Yeah, and their parents, because, of course, I don't know how many of them will read it, the, the teenagers, but, but it's also targeted at parents. So I've, I've researched this very much, and I've, I've written it in such a way that it's interesting to both adults and, and youth, because I think it's important that we help our kids navigate this uh, period of anxiety. In my research, I found out that teens are more stressed out today than adults were, were in the 50s. They're one of the most stressed out age groups in the world today. <laughs> uh, I also feel like a lot more young people, they struggle with anxiety. Do you find that too? Yeah, 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 exactly. And it's, there's so much to navigate. There's so much pressure on them to perform and to pick the right career and to do the right thing and to have the right CV, it, the, the anxiety is overwhelming. I, I know 16-year-olds who are on pills already. Wow. And, and do you think that the technology of today and social media plays a big part in that? Um, the technology is a tool. I think it, it plays a partial part in it. And I think we as parents have to also take some responsibility by allowing it and by not setting the context around it, like setting what it's for. I'm so careful to tell my daughter I and mean, people online are not friends. These are, these are just connections. Friends right. are different. Like I keep reinforcing the uh, definitions of these words, you know, communities and all of these things we have to keep kind of setting the a healthy framework around what they're doing yeah and i i feel like uh, with the whole social media aspect um you know and i can just see how there could be pressure in that aspect as far as how many likes a teenager like let's say they're on facebook or instagram and they're always looking at how many likes they're getting and they're kind of adding value to themselves based on that because they're comparing that to their friends and how many likes maybe their friends are getting you know, yeah. so I, I feel like there's a lot of pressure in that respect, too. Um, so, OK, well, um, Kat, 
thank you so much for being on the show today. Uh, I learned a lot. I'm sure our audience will learn a lot as well. Did you have any parting words maybe that you wanted to mention that we didn't talk about? Um, no, I was thrilled to be on the show with you. And I think I think the most important thing to remember is to trust ourselves as parents because we there's so many parenting books. There's so much advice out there. We sometimes forget that we have this innate ability to just know. <laughs> so right. trust yourself before listening to anybody or anything else. That's what I, I would I, say. I love that. Thank you for that. And I'll, <laughs> I'll take that to heart as well. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> I like to read a lot of books too. So I appreciate <laughs> you saying trust yourself. Um, with that, again, thank you, Kat. And thank you for joining the show. Thank you to Caroline. It was a pleasure. For more on Katagina Shaloub, you can visit her at katshaloub.com. Thanks for visiting Time Out with Tinseltown Mom. If you liked what you heard today, please be so kind and rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Until next time.